Welcome to the Incoterms 2020 Rules Series by Trade Finance Global. Part 11. Cost and Freight, CFR. One of the rules for sea and inland waterway transport. In practice, this rule is used all day, every day in trade by sea. And you still see it just occasionally in contracts, CNF. So clearly they are way back living in the past, but hey, it's working for them. That's the problem. I'm Depesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Talks. Today, as part of our Incoterms 2020 rules series, we're here with Bob Renai, who's a member of the ICC Incoterms 2020 drafting group. Now, we're joining Bob halfway through his world tour as part of the Incoterms 2020 launch. And this is the 11th part of our series. And we're focusing on the rules for sea and inland waterway transport. Today, we're talking about the Incoterms rule CFR, cost and freight. And actually, I'm very keen to understand the key differences between CFR and CIF. So, Bob, over to you. If you could explain to us who you are, what you do, and also what CFR is all about. I'm Bob Ronoy, and I had the fantastic pleasure and experience of being on the drafting group for the Incoterms 2020 rules. I live in Australia, which is surrounded by water, and CFR is a vital rule used every day thousands of times in Australia. Now, CFR stands for cost and freight. It used to be abbreviated as C and F. The and sign, the ampersand, was removed a couple of decades ago, I believe, because it was difficult to use at the time in telexes and in swift messages. So it was made all alpha as CFR, cost and freight, the FR being from the word freight. In practice, this rule is used all day, every day in trade by sea. Trade in containers and without reference to Incoterms rule. It's like FOB, but the sellers and buyers understand that now the seller contracts for carriage arranges the containers in this case to go on board the vessel that they booked and they are paying the freight and the delivery is when the goods go on board the vessel the seller is happy the goods have gone on board the vessel the buyer is happy the goods have gone on board the vessel they know the goods have been exported and they don't have to worry about something happening to the process of the goods moving from the seller's premises to on board the vessel in the seller's country and they're having retrieving or having to retrieve the goods because they had the risk and had already paid for them. That is not what the Inco terms 2020 and previous versions have said. Since 1990, the rules have said that CFR is not appropriate for containers because Containers are received by the carrier at an inland place, in fact, could be at the seller's premises, received by the first carrier, even though we now don't refer to the first carrier, we just refer to the carrier. CFR 
the way that the INCO Terms 2020 rules refer to them are usable only where the seller themselves deliver the goods on board the vessel which they have arranged and they will pay the freight to the destination port, not to a container terminal at the other end, but to the destination port only. The risk is the buyers. And like the CPT and CIP rules for the any motor modes, the CFR rule has these two places of importance now. One, the port of loading, and two, the port of delivery at which the buyer must receive the cargo from the carrier or from the vessel in actual fact. That's an interesting one. In fact, that's the only use of the word carrier in the rule without definition. It probably should have read from the vessel. The cost of unloading the vessel is a matter of agreement in the contract. If the seller's contract of carriage includes the cost of unloading, then clearly the buyer should not also be paying separately the cost of unloading. If the seller's contract of carriage does not include the cost of unloading, then clearly that would be the buyer's cost. This absolutely should be detailed in the contract of carriage and in the contract of sale between the seller and buyer so that there is no doubt about who is paying for it. Obviously, if the seller is paying for the unloading, it would be expected that the price of their goods would be marginally more expensive than if they were not. And we have to remember in all the rules, in all the rules, regardless of who pays, in the end, the buyer pays for everything. Whether they pay direct to a service provider or they pay direct to the seller. One way or another, eventually when the goods are landed at the seller's premises, they, sorry, at the buyer's premises, they have paid for everything. In CFR, as in FOB, the seller must carry out any export formalities and also the buyer must carry out any import formality, plus any transit formalities, should they exist, will be for the buyer to arrange. It's a pretty simple rule. Now, banks deal with the rules a different way to the way IncoTerms rules actually envisage. Very typically, a bank will be seen to be issuing letters of credit always requiring an onboard bill of lading. That gives a particular comfort that the goods actually have been exported out of the seller's country because the bank is paying for them on behalf of the applicant, the buyer. So we will typically see letters of credit for containers and banks insisting on putting INCO terms 2010 or 2020 after the use of the letters CFR when the description of goods clearly says the goods are in containers. Where does this leave us? We may have a contract which did not quote the definitions of INCO terms 2020 and therefore the seller and buyer are left 
out there with their own definitions, and yet the bank has imposed a set of definitions, think of terms 2010 or 2020, on the transaction which was not in the contract and which changes the nature of the contract because it now is using or referring to a rule that says don't use that rule. The banks will say, of course, that the applicant said it's in code terms 2010 or 2020, but the reality is that they ticked the box the bank told them to tick or was actually not tickable on the letter of credit application. And many letter of credit applications from banks will say something like EXW, FOB, CFR, CIF, other. At least they put the other in, but typically nobody puts anything in the other. And so they take a punt on whether it's FOB, CFR or CIF. Freight forwarders will do the same. I saw a shipper's letter of instruction today, which had on it XWorks, FOB, CIF, DDP as the options. And frankly, none of them would apply to a transaction handled by that freight forwarder. It happened, by the way, it was air freight and it was FCA carrier's premises because the seller was delivering to the carrier. So like FOB, CFR in practice often will not refer to the INCO terms rules. They will be outside of that. I believe we should have made the INCO terms rules reflect current practice because that current practice is not going to change. It didn't change with the 1990 rules, the 2000 rules, the 2010 rules. It's not going to change with the 2020 rules. Sellers and buyers will continue to transact under FOB and CFR for containers because it's the way it's always been. It works for them. It's never gone to a court of law. If there's a problem, they've sorted it out. As I call it, they have made a wise marketing decision as to who sorts out what and where's what in the way of risk and cost. So CFR should only be used for goods which are loaded on board the vessel by the seller as the same as in FOB, that is bulk or break bulk goods. The fact is, look, you mentioned about I'm halfway through my world tour, as you kindly called it, but I have been to conferences and presented at conferences and workshops now at this moment in Bogota, Colombia, in Dubai, in Colombo, Sri Lanka, in Manila, so I'll say that again, in Manila, Philippines, in Doha, Qatar, and in Vienna, Austria. In Sri Lanka, I was told that 98% of trade into Colombo is in containers under FOB, CFR or CIF terms. In Manila, I was told at least 80% of containers come in and go out under FOB, CIF or CFR terms and the rest sometimes some interesting versions of XWorks which are not XWorks. And, um, it tells us a story in Bogota, the same thing, that these rules are used or these terms are used without reference to the rules. In Europe, it might be a different case with FOB, CFR, CIF, but we are talking exports or imports cross-ocean. 
And so it depends then on who is the dominant partner, the seller or the buyer, the person in Europe or the entity overseas. And it will be that dominant partner that tends to determine what rule or term they use in their contracts. If a seller, let's say in China, is selling all around the world, and I'll just pick China at random, but if they're selling all around the world, calling it CFR, then a loan buyer saying, well, you know, we can't use CFR for containers. Can we call it CPT? The seller is highly unlikely to agree. It will simply turn up on their documentation and on their contract as CFR. I would also point out that there is another organisation called GAFTA, the Grain and Feed Trade Association, and pretty well all trades around the world in grains and pulses go under their rules, which specifically exclude any flavour, and they make a really bad, half-hearted and weak attempt at defining what they call CNF and CIF and FOB, and it's not really successful, but the fact is that contracts for these sorts of goods refer to the GAFTA contracts and tend not to override them with any reference to the ENCO terms rules. That creates some interesting problems when a letter of credit comes in for such a transaction referring to ENCO terms 2010 for grain in containers CFR. So you end up throwing your hands in the air and simply making the invoice match the letter of credit. CFR, interesting rule, used to be C and F. Traders will still see people calling it C and F, and even more strangely, the letters C N F, which hark back to those telex days when the and sign was not an international character and would come out differently in different countries. So they made their own version of a purely alpha to reflect how it sounds C and F. And you still see it just occasionally in contracts, CNF. So clearly they are way back, living in the past, but hey, it's working for them. That's the problem. And that will be the problem to gain acceptance of the Inco terms rules because the drafting group en masse, the majority of them, and the national committees, many of them said, well, tough luck, the world will have to change. Now, seriously, these traders are not going to change. The banks are not going to change. The freight forwarders are not going to change. And we will have this problem with the fact that the Inco terms rules for FOB, CFR, CIF do not reflect the reality of the traders out there, sadly. Thank you very much, Bob. And actually, that CNF part, and, and I sometimes look after and get inquiries from our customer services team who do often ask, hey, TFG, what is CNF? So interesting, and, and your point resonates even today. And we don't accept customer queries via telex. So look, CFR, very important and interesting that you mentioned the large majority of INCO terms rules under the term CFR or CIF and FOB. And, and it's interesting from country or different part of the world, different parts of the world that these INCO terms are used. And I think as you said yourself, this term is great if you charter 
the vessel. I think the key take home here is that CFR really does incur more risk and responsibility onto the seller. Bob, thank you very much for joining us on Trade Finance Talks. It's been a pleasure having you today and we shall speak soon. Incoterms is a registered trademark of the International Chamber of Commerce and this commentary supplements the ICC Incoterms 2020 rulebook which can be purchased through your local ICC branch or online. Rules on the correct usage of the trademark can be found on the ICC website. For more information on Incoterms visit tradefinanceglobal.com.